Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki Master Energy Teacher, Medium, and author of my newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit Guided Insights to Support Global Awakening, which shares stories and messages that show us the challenges we are now facing are not merely economical, political, or societal, just a spiritual disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. And I am most delighted today to welcome Cody Shuwin, author of Everyday Legacy, who needs us to know that we should live now, as each moment is an opportunity to create love and enjoy life. Hello, Cody, and thank you for joining us on Healing from Within. Hey, General. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Cody, as listeners of Healing from Within have come to expect and are well aware, my guests and I share intimate stories and growing awareness that life is a duality, for we are spiritual beings having a physical life. And when all energy aspects are engaged and utilized, we can realize our greatest potential to thrive and enjoy life in all dimensions of true awareness. Often merging our spiritual gifts with the physical life experience gives us the ability to thrive and live a happy, healthy, prosperous, joyful life an experience as well as advance our soul energetic refinement towards greater compassion and experiencing real love. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Cody Shuwin, a motivational speaker, had a 20-year career as a funeral director, and his experiences facing death-related experiences and families dealing with that every day taught him a lot about lessons for living through powerful stories Shuwin's message is simple in each moment we have the ability to change ourselves and those around us in profound ways by just paying attention listening and being aware that we are much more than our physical life. Cody, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and remember a person, a place, an event perhaps, or an interest which may have shown them or others around them the lifestyle or adult life they would choose to live. Because I think we are born with a soul imprint or destiny, things we want to learn in this life. And as we start to listen to our inner voice and not pay so much attention to the outside world, we find our path forward. So think back and who in your childhood or perhaps what experience was very important to you? I would most certainly nominate my grandmother, who I read in the book. Um, you know, for me, she was like my queen. I mean, it made it made it all that much better because she was British and had the accent too. So, um, but but she was really someone who lived by example. It was a quiet example, a quiet example of convicted beliefs, and she, you know, she just by the way she showed up in the world, exemplified, um, I think, humanity in a beautiful way. 
and she's certainly someone who to this day she's she's passed on um, several years ago but she's someone to this day whose lessons live on strongly and who I am and my character how I show up in the world and I think it's a real test uh, yeah I think it's a real testament to her the legacy she left but more more importantly, I think it's the legacy she was showing up with every single day, the legacy, loved, legacy she lived. Yeah, I loved reading about your grandma, Pat. I have seven little grandchildren, and I hope one day someone feels the way that you do about your grandmother because you said that, you know, you know, she lived in Britain, her family was affluent, and uh, they owned a private school, and... Um, and then during the Second World War, they lost that lifestyle, and they went, they immigrated to Canada, and she had to go uh, from wealth to poverty, but her spirit and her open heart, and the way you said how she loved, uh, and lived simply and loved deeply, uh, was very, very beautiful, because that's what we're born to do. We're born to just accept our challenges not judge them as good or bad, and to live through them to the best of our ability and make the best choices, and she was able to do that. I was also very sorry to hear that she did develop dementia, and I I know how hard it is uh, to see the decline of someone that's been that important in your young life. And, And how old was she when she passed? And she was in her early uh, early 80s when she passed away, and um, you know one of the one of the beautiful things is that while dementia robbed her of of many things uh, in her mind, it never robbed her of you know the very small family she had in, in knowing who we were right until the end. That's and, beautiful. Uh, That's through, through all the cognitive dysfunction that was happening when she passed, she was still able to remember. Um, you know, the, the three of us and well, uh, four I, of us. I want to say this for our listeners. Uh, dementia affects the brain, but the mind is the connection to highest spiritual energy and our eternal source and our, and our soul life. And within her soul life, she was the person she always was. So I know we watch it physically, uh, but spiritually, we're not really affected. And I'll tell a story about that. One day years ago, I had a young girl going off to college, and her mother, who was a nurse, sent her to me because the girl was having some anxiety. And when I was doing her reading, I heard a song, and I started to sing the little song to her, and she started to cry. And she said to me that was the song her grandmother always sang to her when she was little, but her grandmother had dementia, and she no longer recognized them. So I said, well, obviously your grandmother is giving me this song for you because she does remember you within, and she wants you to know she's okay, and she's the grandmother you always have loved and will always love. So uh, I just wanted to share that because you loved your grandmother so much that you're right. She had her family with her, and she also had all her memories within her. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so let's go on to, as a developing intuitive healer and medium years ago, I became a hospice volunteer for eight years trying to help people 
soon to transition to life beyond here and their families to know there really is no death, just a, a transition to higher dimensions of energetic soul life. As a funeral director, were you aware that consciousness survives physical death? Well, certainly that, you know, that was certainly not part of our training, uh, you know, in, in many respects. It, it's more of a logical training that we receive, uh, you know, the anatomy, the physiology yes. and, and grief care. But, you know, there, there's just too many stories that I've heard over the years uh, after serving families where there's a connection to something after, whether it's, you know, someone talking about, uh, having visited in a dream or you mm-hmm. know, seeing things that remind them these these triggers that they have in in their current life, and you know personally I've I've always felt as though you know people like my grandmother are never really that far away. Um, no, they're, they're you know they're they're, they're right here. Um, you know she's right around uh, right. whenever I need her to be, and and that brings me personally great comfort. Uh, in terms of you know the, the the business of being in funeral service, I would say that it more came through personal stories of families connecting with something of meaning after a loss um, that was bringing them comfort and, and solace at a time of grief. Yeah, well, I was the same way. I was trained for hospice in a very practical way because uh, hospice is palliative care or end of life care, and we're taught to listen and not to express too much of our own uh, thoughts that we're discussing here because it might frighten someone or the family if they don't have an awareness of this yet. So uh, I understood that, but I I still couldn't help in some way transmitting my joy for life and the fact that they would be safe and the family would still be close by and they'd all be participating in another way and knowing what was going on for each of them. But... It came through in a very subtle way. Now, as a hospice volunteer for eight years, and the reason I became a hospice volunteer was because my mom died in hospice care. And as a developing energy practitioner and medium, I just wanted to help people not be afraid. I wanted them to know the consciousness, memory, our soul does survive, and life was eternal. So in my new book, which just came out March 2020, A New Life Awaits, I share many stories and messages from spirit and in hospice and from lessons I learned while there and that validate what you and I are talking about here. And I wrote this. I realize now the reason Spirit told me I had to do a third book, A New Life Awaits, about the new life we create each and every day of life by the choices we make and hopefully with a growing soul awareness of what waits for us beyond a short-lived physical life. We may learn about the journey of transcendence after physical death, hoping to ultimately prove our eternal soul meets all those loved ones in spirit where we continue on our journey of life for our continued personal soul development. Whether in a body or pure energy, the soul is the essence and complete oneness of spirit's intelligence and universal love and travels with us through time and space, lifetime after lifetime, as we gather experiences to refine our already magnificent soul. So there are layers and layers of life. And for those of us who have discovered this, it helps us to live with more um, acceptance. Uh, 
and 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 without such fear and pain and it's a great gift actually to know this now let's go on to during the challenging time of having their loved ones passed over does any story stand out in your mind of a unique family situation or a unique person there's one in the book that i love and if you don't pick this one i'm going to uh, tell the story <laughs> but uh, yeah you pick who you pick you had great stories and you pick who you pick yeah i mean obviously as a funeral director i had overseen thousands of funerals and i I never had really contemplated my own mortality. I mean, I was young at the time. It wasn't something that, you know, often crossed my mind. And I think in general, you know, we live in a generally, at least in North America, relatively death-averse society. And so here I was surrounded by death every single day and yet Mm. never even contemplated my own. But here I was conducting a funeral, listening to the speakers outside of the chapel to the eulogies for an older gentleman. I would say he was probably grandfatherly in age. And something just resonated so powerfully about these th- this particular service. And, and, you know, the eulogists, the family members and friends were sharing stories, and there was moments of sadness and moments of celebration. There was tears from laughter, and there were tears from belly laughs. It was a really, you know, it was a really beautiful service. And here I had conducted thousands before, but for some reason this one really resonated with me. And perhaps it was that grandfatherly connection to my own grandfather, but it was a defining moment in my career in particular because it was the first time that I had a moment that stopped me in my tracks. And I thought, boy, oh boy, I really hope the gentleman who they're talking about, who's at the front of the room in a casket, understood the depth and breadth of his impact. That yes. He really understood the difference that he made in their lives, because if he didn't, what a shame. Well, that and if he did, and, and what a gift! Did, I, I, you know, what a gift yeah. that he gave to them. And did he live that way on purpose? And it's the first time that I really thought about legacy differently than I had before. And much of my thought around legacy before, I think, the same as it is for most of us, is very subconscious. But we think of legacy as something we leave, something that's there once we're gone and once we're dead. And truthfully, when we shift that narrative from something we leave to something we live every single day, we start to realize how powerful we can be when we show up and we step into our purpose and when we start to impart those gifts to the world and to those around us. Sometimes the world is the people right in front of us. Yes. (laughs) Um, And how powerful it can be to shift that narrative, hence everyday legacy. Well, uh, you may have and, been young at the moment there, but your soul had an awakening moment and a realization of probably what you were born to do and the book you were um, going to write. I mean, that's a wonderful story and a truthful story. And I'm sure that gentleman was watching all the people celebrate him because they do. <laughs> They're close by and they see everything going on. Uh, however, you wrote about Malala, a girl mm-hmm. uh, who was 11 years old and blogging for the BBC about the Taliban attacking schools and stopping uh, girls from being educated. And I always have coincidences with with my wonderful guests, and I have a coincidence with you about Malala. So Malala continued to speak out 
uh, about her right and the rights of all women to be educated. And at the age of 15, when riding a bus home from school, she was shot in the head. The bullet didn't kill her or her spirit. I cried when I saw that on the news. On her 16th birthday, Malala gave a speech at the United Nations about women's rights and education only nine months after being shot, and she strongly urged the leaders to change these antiquated policies. And at 17 years old, she became the youngest person ever to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Now, I have four granddaughters, and I never spoke about this with them. But one day, not too long ago, my, one of my twin granddaughters, Talia, came out of the room dressed up in a costume portraying Malala. And I was so delighted. And she carried a picture of, I carry a picture of her in that sensitive choice that she made to represent courageous young women. So when I saw that in the book, like I say, I always have, coincidences, which are not really coincidences, but messages from spirit and synchronicity connecting us all together in the truth of our um, energy life and how certain things move us to, to make the changes in, world, in the world that need to be changed. And everyday legacy is about that, making changes for ourselves and helping others be free enough to make changes that will benefit the world. So I love that story very, very much. Now, let's go on to what made you decide to write and speak about how we can live more purposefully every day. You told us the story of the older gentleman, and that was one reason. And there were more, and I have something you wrote here, and I, I would like to read this. Cody, you wrote this. For as long as I can remember, something inside me has stirred. Before I decided to write this book, I couldn't have told you what that stirring was. I just felt an overwhelming sense that I had a greater purpose, that I was being prepared for something. I had tried more than once to write books about business and the success strategies I'd gathered and implemented, and my attempts flopped. So tell us about that. That was a... That was something that I had chalked up to the fact that I just didn't know how to write a book. You know, I had tried and failed three or four times, and and the books were fine. Uh, you know, it wasn't that they were terrible. It wasn't that they were total flops. They just were not lighting up my spirit at all. They weren't and, yeah, what you wanted to talk you know, about. They, 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 weren't, they weren't what I wanted to write about. And, and so my left brain, um, you know, kicked in and said, well, you don't know how to write a book. And so I hired a book coach. And uh, I thought they will teach me logically how to write the book, and then I could let my right brain go to work. Uh, and so I, I did. I hired a book coach, and oddly enough, we oddly enough, I say that sarcastically. It's not odd at all now. Uh, but at the time, it you know I was running into the very same obstacles. I, I was still hitting these these writer block these writers block, and and I couldn't get past it. And at one point, my book coach said, "Okay, stop." Tell me one thing you believed with all your heart, with deep conviction. What's one thing you believe? And I said, truthfully, I, I really think that we have the definition of legacy all wrong. I think we, we plan to leave something, and we hope that we are remembered a certain way, and we hope the legacy we leave is positive. 
But if we just reframed legacy from something we lead to something we live, it can powerfully steer us while we're still here, while we still can recognize and see the benefits of how we're showing up in the world in a positive way, and then compound that and have more of it happen more often. And she said, tell me more. And four hours later, we hung up the phone. And before we hung up the phone, she said, this is the book that you need to write. This is the story you need well, to write. Well, that was... You know, <laughs> that you know, was our job <laughs> to recognize yeah, uh, your passion said, because if you don't write about something uh, that you're really passionate about, you're wasting your energy and we only have so much energy. I was the same way. I was told 25 years ago that I would write three books and I said, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, when I was when I was in high school, the thought did pass through my head that I might like to write a poem. Or a book, and then I forgot it. <laughs> so you see, it's there; it's buried within us. And when we have enough experience, soul experience, people along the way guide us and help us to 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 discover really what we were born to do. So I want to go on to asking you what you learned as a result of your estranged father's funeral. Maybe tell us something about your father and his funeral because you learned something very, very important as a result of being part of his funeral. I did. My father and I had a very estranged relationship from the time I was about 13 years old until the time he passed away. We didn't see one another. Uh, and when I say see one another, we were not in the physical presence of one another. We, he lived in, you know, in the, the city very close to where I grew up, so of course we would see each other sadly in passing uh you know i would be driving down the street and he'd be walking and there was just a a complete lack of relationship and so when the phone rang at 26 years old and my mother told me that my father had died unexpectedly in his sleep um you know and and they were divorced uh for several years at that point my mother had remarried Uh, you know all of the emotions that i thought i would be able to fend off that i thought was just you know natural that i would feel nothing uh, was very wrong. I was very, very wrong. And right. I was flooded with emotions I was not expecting. And in the days that followed, you know, here my uncle and I, uh, who was his only brother, here we were emptying the apartment of, you know, a man we didn't really know um, in a in a physical space we'd never been. Packing up things we'd never seen or touched that had no significance to us. Uh, and at one point, I remember thinking that the whole, you know, effort around having a funeral was a bit futile, uh, you know. What, because what you didn't know him very it. well, right? D- didn't know him very well uh, at all and not a lot of, you know, not much of a relationship whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And at one point, one of his friends showed up to his apartment uh, and I, I turned to him and I said, you know, we'll need six pallbearers funeral and obviously myself my uncle and my cousin won't, won't be the pallbearers uh, so uh, you know is there anybody that you can think of that could could help and i asked in a very um, you know honest but doubtful way that he would be able to proffer enough names and oddly enough within a moment he he proffered more than we needed and i remember at the time being struck by this idea that you know, how, how possibly were there that many people that that knew him that were connected to him? 
And, uh, you know, I accepted the names with, with grace and asked if he would, you know, please reach out to those people and ask if they could, they could support us. And fast forward a couple of days and here we are now at the funeral home and I barely recognized the the man in the casket as my father. And all of a sudden the doors open to the public visitation and there's a lineup of people to get in. Uh And as these people, as these people are going through the line, they're talking about how much they will miss him and, you know, uh, how important he was in their life and his kindness and his generosity and his, his basically his joie de vivre. And I thought, who in the heck are they talking about? You know, this was not my experience. And at one point during the funeral, which was a a day or two later, I I had this this epiphany walk over me. And it was essentially, to sum it up, that my experience with him as a father, having a funeral to celebrate the man that was a dad, may not be worth having. But to celebrate his life as a friend was definitely worth celebrating. He meant a lot of people, a lot to a lot of people. And uh, and it shifted this idea that even though he wasn't a great father, didn't reduce him to not well, being a good man. You know, you're a, you're a very compassionate man. And I think what you also realized was perhaps he didn't have the qualities maybe he was afraid to be a father maybe he was afraid he would do damage to you you don't know anything much about maybe his earlier life uh, but he felt safer with relationships of friendship than he did of parenting and many people are not ready to be a parent and not prepared for it but but I'm glad you realized something very important, that we can't judge a person by any of their failures because there's always other aspects of them and the way people see them. And we can learn from that, not to judge people, right? And to, I think you said something about that in the book, that not to judge them from, from the ego, but to feel for them from the heart and know that there's so much going on beyond the physical world. And uh, we have so many experiences, both of the soul and, and the physical world. So we, we really don't truly know anyone that well. What would you like readers to take away with them after reading Everyday Legacy? The one main thought briefly. I've seen how powerful it can be when we shift uh, this idea of leaving a legacy to to one that we live every single day. And when we start to think how we're showing up in the world and we're conscious of that, and we're also conscious of how others affect us positively, and we share with them that they do, it creates a ripple effect that can really create some incredible, incredible things in our lives and in the lives of others. And that ultimately sums up to our everyday legacy. And uh, and I think that that is the the one thing of all things that readers have taken away from the book is to show up more powerfully now. I think and understand for the me, depth of their impact. Yeah, for me, uh, your book also shows that learning to live in a meaningful way quiets the fear of death, because the resonance of our purpose and 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 living so authentically just makes us feel right and good. Right and full of what we're here to experience. I want to thank you, Cody Shewin, for author of Everyday Legacy, 
for sharing a very difficult and unique look at the qualities of life which enhance our soul and our personality, making life a more joyful and fulfilling experience, while understanding some of the difficulties in relationships that can actually serve to help us find what's truly important to us and to find greater love and respect for people and for life. To read more about the power to live your legacy, not later, but in every moment, go to CodyShuwin.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have shared the insightful and delightful discoveries that Cody has made as he found a way to resolve within himself the hurtful relationship with his father, sharing how he moved past trauma and wounds of childhood, finding gratitude for life, and he learned to appreciate the deep love for self and the truth always within his capacity to share kindness, love, patience, thoughtfulness, attentiveness, and support for all the people in his life. Cody shared a quote from the sage Laotes, When I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. You may realize that an overactive ego might prohibit more loving interactions. In other words, when you let go of who you think you are, you meet your awakened self. You also learn to accept all the people, even those who may have been difficult for you to understand or appreciate. When you understand that a person may be acting under the compulsion of their ego, rather the finer essence of their soul, which might lie dormant at the moment, you can walk away from negative experiences, realizing maybe that was a miserable ego I just encountered, rather than merely a miserable person. Cody and I would have you remember that whatever you choose to do or be part of, it comes from a place of love, and it will refine your spirit and how you show up each day in sharing the magnificent soul beauty from within. And it will bring joy to you and everyone you meet. I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing from Within and author of the newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits, which shares stories of spiritual communication and the fact that it is not merely economic, political, societal challenges we are facing, but a disconnect from our divine being or soul wisdom. So we need to find that. Please go to my website, CherylGlick.com, and read about and listen to leaders in the fields of spirituality, science, metaphysics, energy medicine, psychology, and the arts and music as we seek answers to age-old questions of life, death, and eternal truths. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.